0: Well, it's that time of year. I love this time of year, uh, but it's also that time of year that I struggle to find a parking space at the YMCA. Because everybody is resolved to get back in shape. And then when I finally do find a spot at the Y, I go inside. And it's the one time a year where I've got to wait in line for a treadmill. And I don't like to wait in line for anything, if you know me. And so I was demoted this past week. For the very first time, I had a brand new experience. I got to try out the Stairmaster. And so I'm going nowhere. Uh, 50 flights of stairs rang in the new year. Uh, That way was quite the experience. But let's think about this. Why did I get demoted to the stairmaster. Got demoted to the Stairmaster because it's a new year, it's a new you, right? That's what everybody's saying, that's what everybody's going for. Everybody's got big dreams for for 2019. Uh, Some of you, you're dreaming about being 10 pounds lighter, you're dreaming about being debt-free, you're dreaming about being smoke-free, you're dreaming about, I'm going to be a Spanish speaker by the end of this year, thank you, Rosetta Stone. You're dreaming about uh, a promotion at at work, and I bet you got some dreams for for 2019. I know I got some dreams uh, for 2019. I am three payments away from paying off my college loans for I mean that's amazing right and so i've been dreaming about april 2019 since i was 18 years Old. And so I've been looking at that schedule. This is a very exciting uh, few months uh, for me. But it's that time of year. We're all, we're all dreaming. We're all thinking about uh, the year in front of us. And, and, and so many people have already, you've been already maybe chasing those dreams uh, this, this past week. And, and on this very first Sunday of 2019, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about chasing your dreams with a sermon that I'm calling, Sleepers. Now, this sermon is a prequel to where we're going to go for the next seven weeks together. Starting next week, we're going to kick off a brand new series that we're calling The Long Game. It's a seven-week study on the life of Joseph. Love the story of Joseph. Not, not Joseph as in Mary and Joseph, but the, the earlier Joseph of the Old Testament. Uh, this, this young man who we hear his story in Genesis 37 through 50. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be thinking long and think about how we are to do the things now that will set us up for the, the future and, and playing the long game, thinking about playing the long game in arenas like work and education and sex and health and faith. And, and so it's going to be a great week to come and bring somebody with you. I really want to encourage you on that. And uh, Joseph's story uh, kicking off in Genesis chapter 37, it all starts with, a dream. It was a dream that was planted in his heart by God as a really young guy. And so, again, at the start of this new year, everybody's dreaming, and uh, it's, new year, it's a new year, it's a new you, I'm going after some big goals, and, and today I want you to think about your dreams for your life. Now, let me be really straight up with you, because some of you maybe feel it right now, but for me, man, when I start talking about dreams, or, it just feels so corny to me. Anybody? Like, I I don't know. It just feels corny. Like, when I I hear a pastor do a sermon about chasing your dreams, or I see a book, you know, in the Christian inspiration section about pursuing your dreams, my eyes roll so far back in my head, you don't even... You don't even know. My mind just shuts off. Uh, but, but here we are uh, talking about dreams. Just again, I'm kind of leery about talking about pursuing your dreams. Because even in churches, when we start talking about pursuing the dreams, what we're talking about generally is pursuing your dreams for your life. When what we see in the scriptures is that we're supposed to be thinking about God's dreams for your life. Usually it's your dreams, right? And then if we can sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top, get a little little bit of God's favor, a little bit of God's blessing, that would be a-okay. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's dream for your life. God's dream for your life. What you see in the Bible is, is so often is your dreams get shattered, but then replaced with something far greater than what you could have ever dreamed for yourself. Your dreams get completely overhauled because, as the scripture says, his ways are higher than your ways. His dreams for your life, they're, they're, they're bigger than your dreams for your life. And so let me ask you, do you want the former or do you want the latter? Now that's not as easy of a, of a question to answer as you might think. Because some people say, you know, actually I would like the, the former because I've got my agenda and it would be much more comfortable, but God's dream, God's plan, God's will, God's vision for your life is, is, is going to be greater, it's going to be more impactful, but it will bring you to a place of discomfort and it will require greater faith. And so let's do a little bit of dreaming about your future. Sound good? You with me? You with me? All right, I just making sure. Okay, here we go. So uh, I'm definitely gonna do this a little different than uh, most of my sermons. Typically, we'll walk through books of the Bible or I'll have a big chunk of text that we're gonna look at. This morning's a little bit different. Uh, rather than talking through one text, uh, I'm going to point out some patterns or some observations that we see in the scriptures about living out your dreams. And in order to point out a pattern, we have to have more than one case study, right? And so we're going to have three case studies. And I want to look at the three most, probably most prolific case studies or prolific names in the Bible of people whose dreams become a reality. And so we might as well look at the, the best. And so here are your three. Uh, Moses, Jesus, Jesus, and Paul. Moses, Jesus, Paul. We got an Old Testament character, we got a New Testament character, and right in the middle, well, we've got Jesus, and that sounds appropriate for church. Each of them had uh, their own dream for their lives. Uh, Moses and Paul's dreams, uh, their original dreams that they had for their lives, uh, they, they were different than what God's dream was for their lives, but Jesus's original dream was, of course, God's dream all the time because, well, he's he's jesus he's he's god right so their their dream uh, their plan their preferred future, Moses and Paul. For Moses, it was, uh, hey, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be an Egyptian prince. I'm going to live in royalty. Life is going to be Cush. It's going to be great. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 2. Paul's dream was, uh, you see in Philippians uh, or or, uh, Galatians uh, 3, he was this top level Jewish leader. He was known for his studies under Gamaliel, a, a primary teacher of the day. He kept the Jewish law blamelessly. He eradicated Christianity. Hashtag no big deal, right? He, I mean, he, he, that's what he was pursuing at least. He, he, that was his dream. He was going to be the chief persecutor of Christians and, and live really well the Old Testament uh, law. And, and so that was Moses' dream. That was Paul's dream. And Now here's the thing. These guys were well on their way to pursuing their own dreams for their lives. They were, they were doing it, and they were doing it pretty successfully. But the problem was is they were chasing the wrong dream for their lives. They were well on their way, but in the wrong direction. Proverbs 14 verse 12 says that there is a way, a direction, a path that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to, do you know it? To, to death or to destruction, some translations say for them, it, it seemed right. It seems like this is the way I'm supposed to go. This is my skill. This is my circumstance in, in life. Uh, it seems like I, I'm being led this way, and so this is what I think I will do. I'm on that way. But what if that way that, that you're on is in the wrong direction? So, rhetorical question. Let me give you just a rhetorical question. Would you rather? Has anybody ever played the game, would you rather? Would you rather this? I love would you rather. My kids and I play it all the time. Uh, like, would you rather a million dollars now or $50,000 a year for the rest of your life? Anybody? You've got you to work that out in your head. Uh, well, I could invest the million. Well, here, here's, the, here's the would you rather. Would you rather be highly successful now with the wrong dream, or stop, start over, repent, as the Bible says, and start chasing the right dream? Again, not as easy of, an, of a question to answer as one might think, because i like, hey, I just want to be successful in something, but what if that something is not the dream that God has for your life, the vision that God has for your life, the plan that God has for your life? Again, I don't think it's, it's just an easy answer here. Some of us are in a vocational path that is paying the bills, but it's not God's best. Some of us are, are, are in a wrong relationship, and we are well into that relationship right now, and it just feels like, you know, it's too late to turn around and, and to build up and start all over again, but you're in, a, you're in a, a wrong relationship. Some of you are at a place where, you know what, you're ready to give up on marriage, and just, it's like it's all broken, and I'm, I'm going to be done with it. It's far too, it would be too much work to to try to build up this thing again. Some of you, it's a particular sin or habit that you're, you think you're stuck in, you can't get out of it, and it would be really uncomfortable for me to try to drop this thing and to move in this direction. Some of you, you're, you're, you're heading, you're well down the path of just mediocrity. You're just living a mediocre life, and if you were really pressed, you would say, you know what, this is not what we read about in the Bible, but this is just what I know. It's, it's, it's okay, and so you're, you're comfortable with mediocrity rather than pursuing uncomfortable Greatness, what God has dreamed up for your life. So, what would you rather? What would you rather? Now, what is it going to take for you, think about your own life now, to start chasing the right dream, to start chasing God's vision, God's plan, God's best, God's preferred future for your life? Well, in order to pursue God's dream, you first have to discover God's dream. For your life in order to pursue it whichever direction it is you've got to discover what it is and what do you need in order to dream in order to dream you need to sleep right in order to dream you've got to sleep if you want to have dreams you have got to, to sleep i 've been having all kinds of weird dreams uh, this uh, holiday season, and uh, i 'm not trying to be you know uh, mystical or anything and read into it too much, but uh, i think i 've heard, heard it said that when you 're in an uncomfortable situation in terms of sleeping or you 're having trouble getting into a deep sleep, you dream more. Have you heard this before, and so we were at our in laws and, and so they have this super plush super plush bed that 's just so ni- it 's nice for five minutes and then you wake up and your back hurts, and you didn 't sleep very well, but I had all kinds of weird weird, weird dreams, but you have to sleep in order to, to dream. Now, now we, we've spoken in depth about this in, in, in the fall with our, our pause series, that you have to sleep, you have to, to pause, because sleep is spiritual, because when you sleep, you are laying prostrate, Your feet are off the ground. You are not moving forward. You are not going in a particular direction. What you are doing when you literally sleep is you are saying, God, I believe that you can keep the world spinning if I close my eyes. God, I believe that you're in control. I believe that you will keep me. Uh, Psalm 127 uh, says this, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved what? He gives to his beloved sleep. God says it is good for you to sleep. It is good for you to stop producing. And it's a, it's a step of faith that says, God, I'm trusting in you. God, I believe that you're in control. God, I believe that you got my city. You got my house. You got my kids. You got my work. I'm going to stop. I'm going to lay prostrate, which is also, as you read through the Bible, a position of worship, mind you. So you can worship when you sleep. Hello? Is that good? That's good. I like that. I'm going to go worship this afternoon with about 30-minute nap. In order to to dream, though, you have got to sleep. Now, what we're talking about here, though, is is not literal sleep. We're talking about pausing to dream, to to hear the voice of God, to learn what his plans are for your life, what his will is for your life. And, And let me tell you that if you are unwilling, or maybe in your mind you think unable to slow down, I'll tell you this, that it is a good sign of emotional unhealth. And I can say that as somebody who has been there. I found myself at a place where I was just in a hurry all the time. And some of you... Felt the wrath of the wrecking ball of Josh who was always having to do something, always had to be somewhere, always in a hurry. And listen, I believe in being on time. I believe in being punctual. I think it's a respect of people being punctual. It's a value of people being punctual. But if you're known for being in a hurry when there's no need to be in a hurry, there's a problem, right? It's, it's emotional unhealth. And, and here's the thing. If you want to discover God's dream for your life, his plan for your life, you've got to pause. And you got to be still and what? Know that He is God so that you can hear His voice and hear what He wants for you. Psalm 46.10 maybe is a simple little Bible memory verse for you. Be still. Know that I am God. Now I'm not telling you so that you can figure out God's dream for your life, God's plan for your life to quit your job and move to the desert. Had a friend in college. Her dad literally did that Crazy. Totally screwed up the family. Can't let your kids starve, But I am telling you, you better figure out how to slow down and how to get some time so that you can be with God and you can hear from God. Far too many of us are so busy this first week of 2019, still in my parking space at the YMCA, striving for our big dreams, but maybe they're not God's dream for your life. So for all of us, these first few weeks of 2019, I believe really should be not let's go chase our dreams, but really should be let's slow down and let's hear from God. God, what is your plan? What, what do you want for us? Or if you, if you do think, hey, I, I think I, I know what God wants for my life, God's plan for my life, to still slow down and to, to make sure that your heart is aligned with God's heart. So I think it's incredibly important that we do that. We see that in the scriptures all the time. People pausing to be with God and to hear from God and to realign their hearts from God. God, what is it that you want for me? What is it that you want for our marriage? What is it that you want for our family, our kids? What is it that you want for our, our, our church? And that's why as a church family, we are entering into, starting tomorrow, 21 days of prayer, just like we did last week, year, where we're going to devote ourselves together to, to pray. And we're going we're to ask God to show himself to us and to speak to our hearts and, and, and prayer. Uh, My son and I were having this conversation just on the way over to church this morning. He and I pray on our ride to church, and and as we're praying for for church and praying for you, he says, you know, Dad, we really don't need to pray, right, because God knows our thoughts. I said, you're right. However, prayer is not simply us telling God what to do. If that's what your prayer life looks like, it, it might be a little bit off. Prayer is is being with God and hearing from God and and, and just submitting to God and saying, God, these are the the, the things that I want to put before you. And and it's our way of saying, God, we believe that you're in control. Realign our hearts to your heart. Sometimes we pray things that are just ridiculous that we shouldn't be praying. And as we pray, we realize, I I can't even say this out loud. It's so selfish, right? And so we pray and and God realigns our heart with, with his heart. So, to our case study, Moses, Paul, Jesus, each of these men, before the execution of God's dream, they paused and they heard from God to know specifically what that is. Two of these men were forced to pause, and one, Jesus, willingly paused, right? Moses, he was forced to pause. He was forced to to, to sleep, so to speak. One day... If you know the story of, of Moses in Exodus chapter 2, he sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew. He loses his temper, and he kills the Egyptian. Listen to Exodus chapter 2, 15. It says, When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, which is a wilderness region in the Sinai uh, Peninsula. So it's, it's in Midian that Moses would, would spend... Quite a few years of his life, he would eventually hear from God, the burning bush, you maybe know the story, he's told God's dream for his life, his plan for his life is not that he would go back and be Egyptian royalty, but that he would deliver the Hebrews from their slavery uh, in Egypt. Exodus chapter 3 verse 10, here's the plan that God has for his life, he says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That's God's dream for his life is you are going to be the one who goes to Pharaoh and you will deliver my people out of slavery in Egypt. Sometimes, listen, sometimes God will choose to use your sin and your mistakes to get your attention so that he can wake you up and say, here's the plan that I have for your life. So don't don't sulk in your struggles and the pain and the mistakes that you made and say, it's over for me. This could be not over, but an opportunity that God has allowed you to go through to get your attention like Moses so that he can say, hey, here's my my actual plan for your life. You would have not fled to the wilderness. You would have not been isolated in this situation had you still been living the Cush life on the thrones of of Egypt. And so he allows this mistake to get his attention. So if you are maybe slowed down a little bit, due to some mistakes that you've made, don't panic, don't sulk, but say, you know what, God, what are you trying to tell me through all of this? You listen to his voice. Second case study, Paul, he was also forced to pause, wasn't he? His Jewish name was, was Saul. He was the persecutor of Christianity. He was the Osama bin Laden of his day and age. Chapter 8 of the book of Acts uh, is literally titled, Saul Ravages the Church. That's, that's the last guy that you would ever think that God wants to say. I'm gonna switch that and say Saul, leader of the church. No, he he ravaged the church. But listen to Acts chapter 9. We'll put it on the screen for you. Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 9. It says, but 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 Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, uh, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, the way is the way of Jesus because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so before they were called Christians uh, over in Antioch, they were called followers of the way. So he wanted to get some letters to to go find those people who belonged to the way in Damascus, men or women, uh, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? If you have a Bible like mine, those letters are in red because those are the the, the words of Jesus himself. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. So you're going to go to the city? And you're going to get my vision, my dream, my plan for your life. Verse 7. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. So, Paul literally going one direction with his life on a road to Damascus, almost there to, to, to capture Christians and to bring them back and have them killed, beheaded, thrown to wild animals, all of that. And God stops him in his track and he blinds him. And he blinds him for three days. He goes on and says, He also didn't eat or drink for those three days. I think the reason he didn't eat or drink for those 3 days is because he is a a, a man of the, the word the old testament the scriptures and he knew that this was this was god getting his attention so he's he's praying he's fasting he's waiting to hear from the voice of god he knows he's going to hear uh, exactly what to do and so he chooses to fast and hear from the lord but he is forced to stop right there you will stop you will you will sleep you will not do anything further you will hear my voice he is forced to stop acts chapter 9 uh, verse 15 and 16 if you skip down he hears god's vision for his life but the lord said to him go for it is a, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the gentiles and kings and the children of Israel for i will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name so god's dream for his life is he will bring the name of jesus to the non-jews to the gentiles and he will stand even before kings with the name of Jesus. And he will suffer for the sake of the gospel. So that's God's plan for his life. But again, in order to hear that, that plan, that better plan, that, 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 that God dream for his life, he was forced to pause. He had to stop dead in his tracks. And then even after this incident, if you were to go into the book of Galatians, uh, the the letter there, he talks about the fact that he then spent three years in the Arabian wilderness hearing the voice of God. That's where he gained his theological insights uh, that we read about in his his letter. Paul was forced to pause. He had to pause. He had to stop. He He had to sleep so that he could dream. And then here's a third case, Jesus himself. And we know his work. We know the, the life that he lived out. That he is God who became a man. We celebrate that at Christmas. And that he lived perfectly the life we could never live. And he died the death that we deserve in our place on the cross. And though he died, death could not hold him because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is victorious over Satan's sin and death. And he rises to life on our behalf and gives us life. That's, that's his work. He, he, he lived out his Dream. The the big difference was that Jesus was not forced to pause. Jesus chose to pause. He he chose to pause. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he goes into the wilderness. And you know the story where Jesus prays and he fasts for 40 days prior to then going and living out God's call, God's plan, God's dream for his life his life. How did he get to the wilderness? Was he forced into the wilderness? Was he drugged into the wilderness? Well it says he was led into the wilderness. He chose to, to, to go where the Spirit of God was leading him, to go to a place of seclusion, to pray and to be alone with God. And that's where he gained clarity of God's plan for his life. The, the, the difference between him and the other two is that he willingly made that decision to go and to have space and to be alone with the Father prior to executing the dreams. And so listen, so many of us, we want to go and execute. We want to go do. We want to go accomplish. But listen, you need to, you need to slow down. You need to be certain that you know what God has for you. You need to, to, to know his plan for his life. The, the reality is, in order to dream, you have to sleep. You've got to discover God's plan for your life. Moses, Paul, Jesus, all stop. Two forced. One willing. You've got to, to, you've got to see what God wants for you. You've got to start to really get clarity on that. So many of us, I think, just just wander aimlessly through life. And wherever we end up, well, there we are. And God says, no, I, I've got a plan for your life. I want you to know my plan for your life. I want you to pursue my plan for, for your life. You have permission, church, to dream a little bit. You have permission to, to dream a little bit. You do. you do. People say, get your head out of the clouds. I say, heck no. Keep your head in the clouds right? See what God wants for you. Let, let it linger up there f- for a minute. Pray. Open your Bible. Let your mind wander a little bit. And as your mind wanders, yeah, you're going to start thinking about weird things, but always bring it back up against the scriptures, because God's not going to tell you to do something contrary to his, his scriptures, and, and bring it up against godly counsel as well. God's given you people in your life who can, can help you understand, is this truly from him or not? But, but, but man, let your mind go there dream a little bit. I feel like I'm kind of in a season right now just dreaming. God, what is it that you have? What, what, is, what, what are the next steps for our church family? How are we going to get here and there? And, and you have permission. I'm a big fan of uh, CIA secret agent kind of movies and shows. Anybody with me? Okay, maybe we'll get together and watch one sometime because nobody in my family is into that at all. And so I don't get to watch them very much. But I do, I do love those kind of shows and movies. And, and if you've watched any of those, you've you probably heard the phrase sleepers, right? Sleepers. A, a sleeper is, is, a, is an agent put in a specific location, oftentimes uh, in another country. And they're called sleepers because figuratively speaking, they are, they're, they're sleeping. They're not necessarily acting out their immediate mission they are awaiting for instruction and then someday at some time they don't know when but they will be activated right and though they're not necessarily on the front lines of combat in Afghanistan or somewhere at the moment their role is crucial and it will become clear as the days go on at some later time here's what I want to suggest to you I want to suggest to you that in some way shape or form every single one of us we are sleeper agents on behalf of God some of you right now, you, maybe you're at a moment, and, and, and you just don't, you know what, you say, I, I just don't feel used of God, I feel like I'm just kind of, God doesn't have a plan for my life. He, he does, you are more important than you may know for the kingdom, the mission of God. For some of us right now, uh, your role is just, it's not clear yet. We are sleeping, so to speak. And listen, that can be a good thing. Listen, it doesn't mean that you don't do any ministry around the church. It doesn't mean that you don't do the things that God has clearly told every Christian to do. You continue in those things. It drives me crazy when people are like, you know, I can't really serve right now because I'm waiting to find out what God's will for my life is. I'm like, God's will for your life is to love your neighbor as yourself, to plug into your church, to share Jesus with the people that he's put in your life. But there are some specific things that God wants us to do that is distinct to you from, from other people, right? And so it's better to be sleeping, so to speak, than to be full on after the wrong mission. And I think so many of us might be full on after the wrong mission. And God said, you need to hold on a little bit. You are full speed ahead at something that that might not be what God has for your life. God has every single one of us somewhere on purpose. And if you feel even inactive right now, you, you need to know that you are an asset to use my CIA language, you're an asset. And in each of our case studies, I think it's interesting to note that it took decades, say that with me, decades, decades, for the dreams that God gave them to become realities. They were sleeper agents. Moses was a sleeper agent over in Midian until God said, okay, now's the time. Jesus himself, the first Thirty years of his life, Jesus did nothing extraordinary. Hello, we just celebrated Christmas and all the promises to Mary and to Joseph and the angels and, and the Magi heard this and Isaiah's prophecies being retold over and over again. And then thirty years—is anybody willing to wait thirty years? I don't think so. Right? Some of you are like, I don't, no, I can't, I, no, I can't do that. Thirty years, no recorded miracles no recorded profound teachings, no crowds of people, but check this out. Even still, at Jesus' baptism, what did God the Father say over Jesus? Nothing amazing yet, but God says, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. How are you pleased with him? He did nothing. He did nothing. He's pleased because he's the son of God. And God is pleased with you. Not based on your performance, not based on your living out those dreams that he has put in your heart. He's pleased with you because you are his child, with or without your your dream. With or without your dream. So so you can be a sleeper and still know I'm an asset to God. I have a lot of worth because I'm a child of God. Right now, listen, I talk to mamas all the time and they're like, listen, I feel like I'm doing nothing for God. I'm like, you have no idea what you're doing for God right now. Being at home with those kiddos, they're driving you crazy, changing poopy diapers and, and disciplining and feeling like you're getting nowhere and you're going crazy, right? You're a sleeper. God's doing something, right? He is using you more than you can ever know. Imagine 30 years from now when those kids start to live out God's plans for their lives, you'll start to see how he was using you. You're, you are an asset to God. You are an asset to God, but you need to know something. Even before you perform, like Jesus, in the baptismal waters, you are not defined by your dreams. You are not, I know God has His plan for me. I know, this, I'm, not, I'm not defined by the size of our church, by how many churches we plant, how many people we send out. I am, I am defined by the reality that I am a child of God and he is pleased with me. And you are are defined by the reality that, that you are a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God. He is pleased with you. You are an asset. You have worth to him. And when Jesus heard that, he then goes and he starts to live out the mission of God in unprecedented kind of ways. It was amazing. Amazing. As we wrap up, here's what I want to do. I want to give you just quickly three tests for your dreams, because I do expect you to go and spend these 21 days praying and seeking God for the things that, that we've, we've asked you to pray for, but also for your own life. God, what's your plan for me? What's your plan for our church family? But, but as you discover God's plans, God's dreams, God's will for your life, and I believe that you will in time. Again, some of these guys, they were it was, it was years and years and years of, of seeking the Lord, and you might get some clarity, but then if you get a little closer. I think about this projector screen back here. Behind the screen, every single week, they have to adjust the distance, and then, and then they, they, they tweak the lens to get it a little more crisp. And then, uh, oh, the band needs something, so we're going to have to move the screen a little further. The distance has changed a little bit, and so we've got to crisp a little bit more. That's kind of how it is with, with, with God's plan for your life. He's going to show you exactly what you need to know to take the next step. And then it's going to get a little bit more crisp. And the next step, a little bit more crisp. And that's how we, we live our lives. He doesn't always give us the full picture and so you're going to learn some things, I hope, but you probably won't know it all buttoned up perfectly exactly what God has for the rest of your life, right? And what your kids are going to do and who they're going to marry. and you're not, That's not how it works. But I do expect you to pursue and seek God's dream for your life, God's plan for your life. But hold these three, these three litmus tests uh, as you explore uh, God's plan for your life. Here's, here's the first one. The first one is if your dream lacks God's mission, it's not God's dream. If your dream doesn't have God's mission all wrapped up and, and uh, you can't take it, it's inextricable, they're together, wrapped up in your dream, it's not God's dream for your life. It's probably your dream for your, your life. They are so tied together, right? You, you see in these, these stories, uh, first, God freeing his people so that he could raise up uh, with his own nation, these, the people of Israel, the Messiah that would come. And Jesus, he, his, his dream that, that he discovers is he's to be the Messiah. He's to, to, to live and to serve and to point people to himself and to the Father and, and pay the punishment for, for, for death uh, by his, uh, his death on the cross. And, and then with, uh, with, with Paul, going and sharing to the whole world that Jesus is the Messiah so that the nations who don't have access to the Messiah have access to the Messiah. If your dream sounds a little, little something like, you know, God wants me to rise up the corporate ladder, be really successful, buy my dream home in a cottage in Maine, and there's no mission of God wrapped into that, sounds like it's your dream, not God's dream. But if if it's from God, it will have wrapped up into it how you will live your life to help your kids and your neighbors and your city know and love Jesus, how you will help get the message of Jesus to the ends of the world as he has told us we are to do our great commission. So, litmus test number one. Your dream doesn't have God's mission. It's probably not God's dream. Here's number two of three. If your dream lacks God's people, it's not God's dream. Here's what happens. So often we get really driven because of this dream that God has put on our heart perhaps or maybe it's our own dream. Again, we're, we have to discern that. But then we're so driven by the dream, we're so focused by the dream to get this degree, to get this job, to do this or that and it might have Jesus mixed up in there and the mission and that's, that's good but we can get so driven by the, the, the dream that we have no meaningful relationships with God's people. And that is a sure sign that that's not what God would have for you. That we're so driven that we can't be with God's people, we can't relate with God's people, we can't get our place, ourselves to a place where we need God's people in every way. It's not God's dream because any dream that you see in the Scripture that is a, a God dream has God's heart all over it. And God's heart is for you to be in meaningful relationships with His people. One job of a sleeper agent while inactivated is to gain contacts, to gain assets. Because when he or she is activated, they're going to need those contacts. They're going to need those assets. And the same is for you. Because when it gets tough and, and that, that momentum starts rolling and you're seeing the stuff that God has for you, start to, to t- you're going to need those people. And on the flip side, when 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 that's not happening and you're you're still waiting and you're pursuing, you're gonna need those people to be encouraged. We we're designed to always need God's people all in our lives. Each of these men, these three case studies, they fostered a meaningful relationship with with people along the way. Moses got himself a wife in Zipporah, Jethro, his wise father-in-law, who who helps him with leadership issues later on. Aaron, his brother, Joshua, his right-hand man. Moses people all over the place Jesus of course he comes out of the wilderness and what's the first thing he starts to do starts to appoint disciples Jesus didn't need people around him did he he's Jesus but he chose to lean on people because he was setting a precedent for, for you and me Paul I love Paul's letters because he's constantly dropping names isn't he He's always dropping names of all the people that he knows, say hey to so-and-so, encourage her, tell those two girls to knock it off and stop fighting. I mean, he's, I mean he does that. He's just dropping names. All of, because he's got this robust matrix of relationships that, that he needed. To the very end, last chapter of his last letter, he's like, hey, can you bring me Mark? I need some, Mark? You remember Mark? Paul and Mark had a little falling out before. He's like, I'm so desperate. I need a relationship. Bring me. I'll take Mark right? I'll take anybody at this point. I mean, that's, that's how he was wired, because that's how God had wired him, and that's, that's God's dream for his life, is to, to live out this mission, to bring the message of Jesus to the non-Jews, to, to other nations, but you're going to do it by bringing people along with you, and that's how it's going to work for you. Last, last test, is that if your dream lacks God's help, it's not God's dream. Here's what I mean. If your dream is some weak sauce dream, it's probably not God's dream, right? Because God is looking for an opportunity to show his power in your life. God is looking for an opportunity to show you that he is sufficient, that he is strong. When when you are weak, make sure that your dream is God's size and it demands God's help. I'm going to bring thousands and thousands and thousands of people out of Egypt. Well, there's this big sea, God. Just, just do it. Trust me. It'll get clear. As I, it's a God-sized dream, right? I'm going to start a global movement of love and grace that will blow up at unprecedented rates. That's, that's God-sized. You, the man who is murdering Christians, breathing threats down Christianity, you will be a pillar among those people. That's, that's God-sized. You got it? If it's weak, it might not be God because God is strong. So how do we respond today? We got some litmus tests as we start to discover God's dream and figure out what he has for us. How do we respond? Do we respond, okay, cool, I'm going to go accomplish those dreams now. Slow down. We respond by starting our year off with I'm going to seek God. God, I'm going to ask you, what do you have for me? I'm not okay with just I might, I might go try to love people well and make disciples, but I, God, yeah, but how, God? What does that look like for my life? Well, give me some specifics here. I want to know, I want to I be clear that I'm walking in step with what you have for me. I love, you, you read uh, in, in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul, and he's trying to figure out where to go, and it says he's, he's heading in one direction. He's getting to Philippi, but it says he's gonna, he plots out this map for I'm going to go here, here, and I'm going to get to Philippi. That's the goal. And he's, he's walking so closely with God, seeking God's, God's vision, God's plan for his life so closely that he gets to a point, and it says, but the Spirit of Jesus forbid him to go here. So if you look at the map, he takes a little bit of a detour before he gets to Philippi. He's walking so closely with God that he's hearing the voice of God. I want to encourage you, God. What is it that you? I know you want me to be about making disciples of all nations and loving uh, the people that you put in my life, but help help me to know how. What does that look like? What does my future hold? And God will be happy to begin to reveal to you exactly what you need to know to take the steps that you need to take. And so, Christians, we don't start the year off getting busy. We start the year off slowing down and say, before I go anywhere, Coach Belichick, tell me what the play is, right? Before I do anything, God, you tell me what you want me to do. I want to do what you have for me because I know that you know best. 21 days of prayer starting tomorrow. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much that we can can see countless examples of people who struggled, And you use their mistakes to get their attention so that they could hear your actual plan for their lives. God, thank you that as we read your scriptures, we see that you know the hairs on our head. You know the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And you know everything about us. And you know the plans that you have for us, declares the Lord, the scripture says. You've got specific plans for each of us. Not just this broad generic plan for all Christians, but specific plans for every one of us. And so God, I pray that we would, we would really seek to discover your plan, walk and step with your will for our lives. God, I pray that we would be looking to the people around us and, and trying to help them and encourage them by, by affirming in their hearts and their lives the things that, that, that we see God doing in them. God, help this to be a really sweet season for our church family. 21 days of prayer. I know some of us in the room have really big decisions in front of us. I know some of us in the room, we've been walking in in step with your plan for our lives, but would you affirm it or show us where we drifted a little bit? if We need to hear that. And then God, if there's anybody in this place today who has not given their life to Jesus, I do know your plan for them in this moment is that they would turn from sin that is independence from you, saying, I don't need God, And turn, and trust in Jesus. Complete dependence on you. That they would see their their sinfulness and their need for a Savior because they are dying. We're all dying apart from Christ. eternal death. God, I pray that they would know the love and the hope of a Savior who loves them, who died for them, who gives them life and life eternally. They would turn from sin and turn to you and live a life as a Christ follower, a Christian. I give them to you. God, may this be a really sweet season for us as your people. Make it clear what you have for us. We'll be very, very careful to give you the glory and the honor for the things that you do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.